Would you go with me in prayer? You, you pray for your own understanding and, and being able to, to hear the word of God and then we'll close out and get into it. Father, we just give you all praise and glory through all of this as we see your power and your mighty works on display and that you're a great God. You are still a God who answers by fire and by prayer and by any means that you need to to answer. And Father, we give you all praise and honor and glory. And Father, now we came here to worship you today. Every time we assemble, it's really not about us. Just like the song said, it's all about you. It's not about what I got out of it. What it no, it's supposed to be what we give to you. And Father, we pray that our worship to you is acceptable in your sight. We pray, Father, that our singing and that our prayers and that our fellowship and that the word that is taught is all acceptable and glorifies and brings you praise, glory, and honor. Father, may your Holy Spirit be here among us this day and to open up our hearts and our minds to be receptive to this message from your word. It's a powerful message, Father, rooted in the Old Testament and put on display by your Son, Jesus the Christ, as he lived. And Father, I pray that it touches hearts. I already know that there was a purpose for this. I was talking back here with Kathy, and we pray for her husband, Rick. We pray for Rick in a mighty way. He, he had to have open-heart surgery on Friday. We were so busy this week serving you with the pantry and picking it up and with karate as an outreach and with Wednesday night Friday pantry again I knew I was going to have to dig into something that I've already studied in times past thought I had it knew what it was and Lord as I woke up that morning as I was climbing out of bed you said pull this file and it's because I know she needed it because at that moment her husband was going into surgery. And I know there's others that need this message here today, Father, too. And I pray that you open up our hearts. Emblazon this story upon us about the grace and the power and the love that you have for your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. I don't even have my glasses on. What are we doing? All right, we're, we're going to do another one of our Sunday drives. We're going, to get, we're going to get to Jesus, but we're going to have to go through Numbers 15 to, to get there. So if you want to begin turning your Bibles to there, we're going to be there in just a moment. We're going to be doing chapter 15, verses 37 through 40. But while, while you're turning there, I'm going to get ready. probably wonder what this is about. Well, we're going to get to it. This is a prayer shawl. 
It's called a kanaf in the original language. Now, in Numbers 15, every, every Jewish person would wear one of these because of what we're about to read. Numbers 15, verse 37, it says that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make some tassels on their garments. Throughout their generations, they are to wear this and put a cord of blue string running through the tassel on each corner. Only the corners have it. So that these tassels, when you look on them, you will remember all the commandments of the Lord and to do them. And not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to go a-whoring after. So you will remember and do all of my commandments, and be ye holy before your God. You see, the Jews, they knew and they believed that the Lord loved them so much, he gave them the Torah, the law. And it's not something that was confining and something that, oh, I've got to do this. No, they knew he'd give it to them because he loved them. How many of you want your things robbed? How many of you want someone to come in and break into your house and, and murder you? and You're fearful for your life. No. So whenever he gives the law, it's so that you can have freedom. And so that you can have peace in life and enjoy life. That's what it was about. It was to maintain civility so that you could honor and glorify and walk in his ways. That's why these things were given. And he said, what I want you to do because the nature of man is to go astray. I want you to make this garment. And I want you to wear it always. And I want you to... Put this blue thread on the corners of your garment. And in between there's five knots. They tied five knots for the five books of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The law of God was between their fingers. And so you wrap it around there. If your hand begins to reach for something that it's not supposed to do, what are you reminded of? The Torah, the law, and the God that you serve. Do you really want to do what you're about to do? Do this as a reminder to walk in my ways so that you be holy with your God. It's, these things here are called seats in the original. It sounds so fun, I want to hear you say it. Say seat-seat. T-Z-I-T, T-Z-I-T, seat that's hard for us to say, but it sounds cool. Well, this, the blue in there is a reminder of your God in heaven, the sky where he dwells, where his dwelling place is, and his royal color. And then, like I said, the five books of the law, and it's a reminder of all of these things, that you are set apart for him and for a purpose in this life, to be holy unto him. And then, and then he says, it became an, a status symbol because that blue, the really good-looking blue of their day, came 
from these little bitty snails that they would have to try to find and crack open and crush. And it only made little bits of this beautiful dye. And so the real blue uh, knafs that had the blue on the seat seats, that was very expensive. Only the, the rich had those. Everyone else had a different little dye up on there to have the blue. And so it became a symbol of honor. And the longer that it went, the more money that was spent too, so that it became, instead of a reminder about God, it became a status symbol. And that's why Jesus, back in Mark chapter 12, taught about that when he said this, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in their long robes and like to gather in the meeting places and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor and the feasts. They will devour widows' houses to get gain and make pretense of long prayers. They shall receive a greater condemnation. Wow, the talent, this thing called a prayer shawl for good reason. Orthodox Jews would pray at least three times a day. You can go look at Daniel 6. That got him in trouble. We were not supposed to worship any other God. Daniel goes immediately on up at the time of prayer and goes to pray. Now, one of the good things about this is if you are out in public when it's time for prayer, you could get down on your hands and knees before God and pull this up over. And you know how Jesus referred to your prayer closet? If you weren't at home, this became your prayer closet so that you're not distracted by anything or anyone else that is around you. And it became for that as well. Well, the thing about these four corners, when it says on the corners and the edges to make these tassels, the word in the Hebrew is kanaf. Kanaf. What's funny about that, it's the word for wings. I don't know how that you would come up with that. I distracted Ray this morning because I was up here practicing and I kind of flew down a little bit. But they're called the wings. It was a word for wings. Funny thing when you wear this and you're reminded about God and His Word and the, the book of the law that wings represent a place of refuge and strength and security in God. You go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. It says, Ye have seen what I did while you were in Egypt. And to the Egyptians, how I bear you up and rescued you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. In Ruth chapter 2, she said, The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel. Under whose wings... Thou art come to trust. Keep me, Psalm 17, as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of your wings shall I take refuge until all of these calamities are overpassed. And you could go on and on with the references 
of the wings of God being your protection, being your safety, your dwelling place, your place of refuge and security. But there's one special verse that I want to tie in today that's going to tie into our lesson. And it's in the book of Malachi. That obscure book that's right at the end of the Old Testament before the New Testament comes in. And in the book of Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 it says this. Unto you who fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Now think about that. This is the last book. There's silence for a couple of hundred years until the Christ is going to come. The son of righteousness is going to arise with healing in his wings. Kanaf is the word. The same word for this. Now, this was a messianic verse. They came to know it. This is a prophecy of the Messiah to come that he's going to have healing within his wings. A lot of us need healing, don't we? A lot of us need healing. I can go and point to several in our audience that we pray for all the time for healing and for strength. The son of righteousness is going to come with healing within his wings. And this brings us to a certain woman in the New Testament. She's probably a very lonely woman, probably a very sad at times. She's probably not very well off. She probably struggles with everything about life. You're going to see why I say that in just a moment. But all she has done, though, throughout these struggles and throughout these problems is trusted in the Lord. She didn't get bitter. We're going to repeat that later after you see what all she goes through. She wasn't bitter. She wasn't angry. She never thought the Lord forsook her, and she never forsook the Lord through all of these calamities. She was like that psalm that says, Hide me under your wings until all the calamities around about me are past. Mark chapter 5, if you want to turn there. That's where we're going. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 24. We're going to take a look at her story. Now, to set this up in Mark chapter 5, the Lord has just crossed over in a boat to the Gadarenes. There he found men who were demon-possessed. He cast those demons out into the swine, and they crashed over the hill into the lake. Then he's walking and a man named Jairus comes up to him and says, my, my daughter, she is so sick. She's sick unto death on her bed. Would you come and heal her so that she would live? And Jesus said, I will go. And that's where we pick up our story now in verse 24 where it says, So Jesus went with him and much people followed him. And they thronged him and a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things of the physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather she was growing worse. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. She touched his garment. (laughs) She touched 
his garment, his clothes. Luke 8.44, the same story details that it's the border of his wings, his kanaf. Wow. She said, if I can touch that, I shall be whole. And straightway, when she did, the fountain of her bleeding dried up. And that plague was gone. And she felt it in her body. And Jesus, immediately knowing within himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turned to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Luke says, Who touched my wings? We'll be at Luke here in a little bit. And his disciples said unto him, Boss, look at the multitude of people thronging you. Sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling and knowing what was done, she came and she fell down before him and told him all the truth. Mm. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Why don't you go back up there to verse 27 with me for a minute. When she heard about who? Jesus, yeah. What do you think she heard? He heals people. He's good. He's, maybe he's the Messiah. I've been hearing people say that this might be the Messiah that was supposed to come, right? Maybe this is him who has... See, she didn't give up on God. She studied that word. Maybe this is the Messiah who the word of the Lord said has healing within his what? His wings. We're just getting started, folks. So she believed the word of God and that this could be the Messiah. And she believed that verse there. And man, I want to tell you about this wonderful woman and what she's been going through for 12 years, okay? Her life has not been pleasant. It has been a hard life. It has been a rough life throughout all of this. And she didn't get bitter. She didn't lose faith. This illness in that time when there wasn't as good of, of medical practice as we have now. And when we talk with Ron, we still know it's a practice, don't we? They're still practicing medicine. They don't got it all figured out yet. But it's still better than it was then. And she couldn't get healed of this. And then it says she came and touched this kanaf. Do you know that she's breaking a lot of rules by doing this? I'm going to take you now to Leviticus chapter 15. We're going to begin to get to know this woman. And a little bit of what the word of God says that she was going through. And why she wanted to see the Messiah. Verse 19 of Leviticus 15. This scripture specifically deals with this woman and her condition. And the Lord knew that she was going to be there that day. Reference in this. Verse 19. If a woman has an issue. And her issue in her flesh be of blood. She shall be put apart seven days. Whosoever touches her shall be unclean until that evening. Everything that she lieth upon during this time of her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall become unclean. 
Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes, bathe himself, and will be unclean until the evening. Whoever touches what she set upon, the same thing, they wash their clothes. If it be on her bed or upon anything she sitteth when he touches it, he is unclean until the evening. If any man lie at all and her flowers be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days and all the bed whereupon he lieth shall be clean. And here's a scripture that I always take people to when I teach about having to rightly divide the word of truth. If you don't go to the original language, you have no idea what flowers are. And if you take that verse, one verse out of context, and her flowers be upon you, you have no idea. The word flowers is a woman's menstrual cycle. Yeah, that's what it's called. Flowers? Are you kidding me? It's called that. So, I mean, serious. So all of this is talking about a normal seven-day cycle, okay? And what would happen during that time. But if you don't go to the word of God the way God breathed it. And rightly divide it. You don't have ideas of what the word is actually saying. And that's why we try to do that. You know. So here she is. She has now been through this. And the flowers be upon you. If you've, if you've had that relationship during that time. He is now unclean for seven days also in everything that he lies upon. Now, this is a special verse next. If a woman, though, have an issue of blood for many days, it goes past the time of her normal separation. If it runs beyond the time of her separation, then all the days of the issue of her uncleanness Shall be as the days of her separation. She is unclean. Wow. Every bed that she lies on. Every chair that she sits on is unclean. And whoever touches those things is unclean. They shall have to wash and bathe and be unclean. When she is cleansed of her issue. If she gets cleansed of one that lasted beyond normal that was a medical condition then it says that she she's going to go and present herself to the priests and on the eighth day after her set her issue has been healed she will take to her two turtle doves and two young pigeons and bring them to the priest into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation you know what the offering was for jesus on the eighth day when he was born and they took him there to have that right done, Mary and Joseph offered up either two pigeons or two turtle doves. Same offering. Okay. And so the priest shall offer that up for a sin offering. What's he offered up for for us? Okay. And another one of the two will be for the burnt offering and it will make atonement for her before the Lord for this issue of uncleanness. Thus, so you separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness that they die not in their uncleanness. That's why he came. When they defile my tabernacle that is among them. Wow, that's stuff we don't think about today, do we? We don't think anything like that. 
this uncleanness meant ceremonially unclean. It meant you weren't able to come to worship because this uncleanness. You didn't present yourself in amongst that. Not only that, you couldn't have any of the normal relationships with husband or wife. Well, actually, with this, it's an issue with just the woman. So with the man, it said that if he had it, then he's unclean for that seven days as well at a time. So... This woman, now you're beginning to see her predicament. For 12 years, constant years, she's been unclean. Anything she sits on, anything she lays on, anything she touches, you're not supposed to touch her or you're unclean. So guess what? It was like leprosy. You, you get close to somebody and you got to say, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Don't get near me. For 12 years, this woman has been unclean ceremonially and having not to be able to touch and be around anyone. Do you start to see the predicament? She tried and she tried to go to doctor after doctor. It was so important for her to be able to worship and to have a normal relationship with people and to go to worship in the house of God that she spent every dime that she had to try to get healed, but to no avail, she only grew worse. And you think you got issues. (laughs) Every time you do, there's people that's worse off, you know it. And through all of that, I see that this woman didn't lose faith. She didn't lose hope. And she studied her word and she prayed and she knew all of a sudden here comes a Messiah. And I'm going to give you an inference on my part now too. That means I can't point you to a scripture and say that this is the truth. But from what I infer from all of the study that I've done on it. She is probably alone. She is probably single. I don't know the circumstances if that is the case. Like I said, that's an inference on my part from the scriptures, but I'll show you why in a moment. She's probably alone. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe something happened to the husband. Maybe she had never gotten married because of this issue. Or maybe it was after she's married and the issue came and kept lasting that he left her. I don't know for sure. But here's what I do know. Deuteronomy. Before I get to Deuteronomy. When we go back to Mark 5.26 or if we go to Luke 8.43. Both of those scriptures say she had spent all she had. Luke says she had spent her Entire living. There's no reference to her husband. There's no reference to family. It's her. She spent all of her living. All that she had. Trying to get healed. Now we go to Deuteronomy 24. If you got a long term illness. Look at what it says there. When a man hath taken a wife. And married her. And it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he has found somewhat. What's she been for 12 years? 
If you find some uncleanness and it is distasteful to you, then you let him write her a bill of divorcement, give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. Ouch. Ouch. What do you think this woman's went through for 12 years? Hmm? Living hell, isn't it? Really. To put it mildly. But again, she didn't lose her faith. She didn't become bitter. She was still looking for the healing that no doctor could give to her. And she's had to live apart and cry unclean. And not go into the house of worship. Now, she hears about Jesus. And that's when we go back to that verse. She has heard about Jesus. And they claim that he's a Messiah who might have healing in his wings. And she comes, it says, and pushes through the crowd. I told you she was doing something illegal, didn't I? That was wrong. She wasn't supposed to be touching people. She's supposed to be saying, I'm unclean. But to get clean and to worship my God, I've got to touch his garment. And everybody is in my way. So I've got to make my way through there. In faith, I have to get to him. And she reaches up in faith to touch that kanaf, that wing, that edge of the garment. Because Malachi 4, 2 says that if he comes with healing in his wings, I believe that if I just touch that hem of the garment, I can be clean. And the scripture says in verse 29 that straightway, immediately, her issue of blood dried up. The thing that had made her unclean was immediately gone. And that's when Jesus turns around and said, Who was it that touched me? Boss, look at everybody. They're touching you. No, that's not what I'm talking about. All of that hustle and jostle. I'm talking about someone touched me and virtue went out and I felt it. And why is it important to him? Somebody believes that I'm the Messiah. Somebody in this crowd believes that I am the one who comes with healing in his wings and I want to know who it is that believes in me. It says, now we're going to go to Luke 8. Luke 8 says, in verse 47, she saw that she was not hid when he turned around and his eyes came upon her. She trembled and fell down before him and declared. I want you to see what she declared. Before everyone. She trembled and bowed. And before everyone in that crowd, she said this. Why I am unclean and why I touched you. Because I believe that you can make me clean. And she explained the situation and what happened. And you are the Messiah. And to that great proclamation of faith Jesus said to her in verse 48 daughter thy faith hath made you whole go in peace and be whole of thy plague be of good comfort because it and that's perfect tense that ain't ever going to happen again she might get sick with pneumonia she might break a leg something else might happen but that woman 
after touching that garment in faith, never again had that issue. Perfect tense. You are clean from that. And did you catch thy faith hath made you whole? You believed that I was the Messiah and that I came with healing. And he called her daughter. Wasn't his daughter. But you know why he did that? Stranger don't touch a man. You don't touch his talent. That's a no-no. Especially if you're unclean. It's hard telling what they'd have done to that woman. But Jesus, a family member, can touch it. And he says, daughter. Daughter. Your faith made you whole. You're my, I, I claim you now as family. And nobody's going to do anything to you because you came and pushed through the crowd. And you came and you touched me. Go in peace. You know, by his stripes we are healed. Physically and spiritually. The verse really applies to spiritual healing. But here it was in a physical sense. But mainly it became It was physical, but the meaning behind it is spiritual. By his stripes, by his death, we are healed from the most important things that separate us from God. What did it say about this? So that you learn to walk in my ways and be not separated from me. He he came to bridge that gap. And that's why this whole verse is in here and everything. It says his power can make us clean. The the scriptures call it becoming a new creation in Christ. I'm going to stop fighting this right now. Scripture says you become a new creature in Christ through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, and then after you have believed in Jesus Christ, he's asked us also to make a proclamation of that faith in baptism for everyone to know that you have changed your life. But it's by grace through that faith that you are saved. And it's enacted out in Acts chapter 8. Philip. Philip is going to Gaza, it says there around verse 26. And as he's going to Gaza, the Holy Spirit directs Philip. There's a chariot riding out there. And he directs him to run out to that chariot and go meet it. And he goes up there and he hears the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he joins himself up beside there. I don't know if they're still running or if they stopped it or what for a minute. But he says... Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guide me in the truth and explain it? And it says that he wanted him to enjoin him on the chariot. And they were riding then in the chariot. And he explains, he started at that same scripture and taught unto him Jesus. I don't know what all he taught about Jesus, but I know he taught the plan of salvation. And when he did, as they are writing, and that Jesus is that one who comes with healing in his wings, and he is the Messiah, but he must have also talked about something else, because we get down to verse 36, and it says, When the chariot came to a certain water, seeing that water, the man asked Philip and said, See, Here is water. What hinders me then from being baptized? Philip told him, if you believe with all thy heart, you can be baptized. The man answered Philip and said, I believe with all my heart. 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And with that confession of faith being made, the Bible says he commanded, and I like that. He didn't wait around till tomorrow. He didn't say, when I find a much more reasonable, convenient season. It says, immediately he commanded the driver to stop the chariot. What's hindered you in life from making that final step in faith with Christ? Been busy? You got things going on? Been searching for fame, fortune, um, relationships? What the, the things of life? I'm going to tell you. If you've been that busy, it's time you stop the chariot. It's time you command that chariot to be stopped and do what you know that you need to do to fulfill all righteousness. And it says that he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down, both of them, into the water. Philip and the eunuch into the water and he baptized him. And it says that when they came up out from the water that Philip was caught away and that eunuch went away rejoicing. He was a child of God. He was a new creature. He was healed just like the woman of the issue of blood was healed and made clean. He was now healed from spiritual death. And weakness and sin. And he was a new creation in Christ now. And he had been from that confession of faith. How about you? Do you feel sometimes kind of like that, that woman we just talked about? How that there's things in life that keep you from having that relationship with God that you would like to have? Something that has been preventing you? It's time... To reach for that hem of the garment. It's time to let him cleanse you. It's pretty easy for us who are Christians as the worship team comes on up. It says those who are in Christ. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says. That if you will confess your faults to me. To him. That woman. What did it say that she done whenever she came trembling and he. Saw that she had been spotted. It said she came trembling and got down before him. And what did she do? It said she confessed everything to everyone. What did it, aren't you glad you don't have to confess to everyone today? <laughs> he said, if you, 1 John 1, 9. If you will confess your faults to me, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If there's anything standing between you and the Lord, it's time you grabbed the hem of that garment, that wing, that tassel, and allowed him to cleanse you of that and to bring back that relationship. And he's not going to refuse you he is going to take you just like he did that woman and say, thy faith has made you whole. Go, you are healed of those plagues. Perfect tense. Never counted against you again. I have separated you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. Is that not a powerful story of forgiveness and healing? I hope that it touches your life and you, you meditate upon it this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son who came with that healing within his
his wings. And that he died on that cross for our sins and that he makes us whole. Father, thank you for that power and that love and that grace. Thank you for revealing your word to us from Old Testament to New. How that everything fits in place. And every page speaks about you and why it's there. And Father, I pray that those who are here today and those who may hear it in the future. That they will truly understand your power and your grace and your love. And all they have to do is come to you in that faith. And their faith will make them whole. We love you and we thank you for your son. In Jesus name. Amen.